Good morning. I don't know about you, but I found that a very encouraging sing just now. And I uh, want to give a big amen to that last song, especially, that we want the Lord to be our vision. And it's a fitting song on our Vision Sunday, which is what today is. If I can get this to switch over, there we go. Um, uh, I, I am Ben. I am one of the pastors here at Auburn Bible Chapel, part of the pastoral team and the elders team here. And uh, I have the privilege primarily of focusing on care and discipleship ministries here at the church and, uh, and really being able to work closely with the different leadership teams that exist in this congregation. And for me, this time of year is always a, an exciting time of year because it's a time of year that we get to stop uh, after a summer of rest and to collect ourselves congregationally and as leadership teams to be able to look ahead to what it is that God has in store for us this year and, and to be able to, to, to be hopeful in that. Because we do believe God is great. We do believe that he is mighty. We do believe that he is good and loving and that he wants to do amazing things in this place and in this city. And, uh, and I, I am always uh, excited to be able to share a little bit about what God has been laying on our hearts as leaders here uh, at this congregation. Uh, and we kind to do this in, in kind of a two-part uh, element. One is I'm just going to talk a little bit about where we as the overarching leadership team believe that God is calling us to go as a, as a community. And for those who are regular attendees here, this, this is not going to be new territory. This is a vision we've been working on for the last couple of years, trying to piece together over time. And we've already been seeing some fruit out of it. And yet we want to be able to refresh that vision and to be able to talk about where, where specifically we feel God is calling us to work on that vision this year. And then alongside that, I'm going to invite up a number of the different ministry leaders to share about how that vision is playing out on the ground level in the various ministries of this church, and specifically demographically focused ministries, because this is the time of year that a lot of those things kick off. Uh, and, and so this is kind of a prelude to what happens over the next couple of weeks and months as everything gets rolling here at the church. And, and we really believe that it's important for us to make sure that all of those activities are not just activities for the sake of it, but our activities that are really guided by the passion and the vision that God has given us so that everything we do really is honoring to him and is going to be as effective as possible advancing his kingdom here in this place. And so, and so we spent last week talking a little bit about the mission that God has called us to as the church throughout all of history and some of the ways that that has been playing out in our city. And our summary of the mission that God has given the church, and that includes us here at Auburn Bible Chapel, is to invite people to know God personally and to participate in his plan to rescue the world from sin through his son, Jesus. And we believe that that is God's, God's own mission, and that that is a mission that we get to participate on. And we got to talk about a few of the ways that we've been doing that as a church, even over the summer when, uh, when we were resting and, and refreshing ourselves between ministry seasons. Uh, and, and this mission is something that has to be played out in a particular way, in particular context. And for us as a church, the thing God has been pressing on us the last couple of years is that we want to be the kind of congregation where the whole congregation works together to see those outside of the church come or return to faith. That, that, that we want to see everyone in this room participating in God's mission by focusing on those who are outside of the four walls of this congregation. And there are really two, two key elements of that. The, the, the latter part is really the direction that we want to be going in. We, we want to exist not for the sake of those of us who already call Christ our Lord and Savior, but we believe God actually calls us to exist for the sake of those who do not yet 
have that as their heart stance. And, and so, and so we, are, we gather together, and we are excited to gather together, but we don't gather for the sake of gathering. You gather so that we can be oriented outwards, that we can focus on the community around us, and we can see the people who don't have Christ as their Lord and Savior uh, saved. And, and, and really, a key part of that is the outside the church. That through much of history, it is true that people, even though they did not believe, still thought that it was a good thing to come to church on a Sunday morning. And so you could focus a lot of the church's ministries on evangelism and, and getting people in the church to become Christian followers. Um, but, but we recognize that that cultural moment has really passed and that in our current culture, most of the people who really need the good news of Jesus Christ don't come here on a Sunday morning. And we just have to acknowledge that in everything that we do, that, that, that the majority of people in this room are not sitting on the fence, most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us are already committed Christ followers. And so the question then becomes, as a community, what is our purpose? It's not to just exist for our own sake, but it is to go out, to be sent, to be called into the community around us so that they might know the love that God has for them. Uh, and, and, then, and then the first portion is really a how question. Because we recognize that if that's true, if we're supposed to be outward-oriented, if we're supposed to go into the community, that it can't simply be the work of those who are paid to be in ministry, or even the work of those who are volunteering in formal leadership positions, that, that this task is too great for any of, any of uh, the small number of leaders in this church to manage by themselves. But this is a task that is big enough that it requires the whole body of Christ to be at work that we all need to be oriented in such a way that we are focused on that task. And, and so that's the, the, the how is our whole congregation is going to be doing this together. And that's really a key part of the vision that God has been laying on us and we've been trying to pursue over the last couple of years as a leadership team here at Auburn. And I believe that that whole congregation part is extra important for us to be paying attention to. Because out of everything, it might be the thing that's the easiest to let slip by. It is so easy to fall into a pattern where we think, okay, we have people doing ministry in the church, and now I get to just slide back into my private faith that is kind of oriented around what my family, my household, uh, my own personal private devotional life looks like. Uh, And it, it is hard to remember that we really should be, even outside of these four walls, thinking as a community, we are all in this task together. And I I think it's an incredibly biblical mandate. Um, And so what I wanted to do quickly was look at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, which I think lay out the fact that this is how we should be operating, and especially how churches that are in a non-Christian context ought to be operating, which is the context that the early writers of Christianity, the the, the apostles were operating under, was a, a society that yet wasn't a Christian society, and they were looking to bring it to Christ in the first place. And we can see that the apostle Paul who was on fire for that task, uh, wrote some words that I think should encourage us to really think that way in terms of this whole congregation working together. So so we see in Ephesians 4, Paul, he, he starts out by talking about the fact that we are all united as Christian people in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, and then turning from that admonition, we, we need to be one in Christ. He says, Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I think if we look at this passage very briefly, we can see that Paul provides us with a foundation for how the church is to do ministry by sharing, first of all, the source of his approach to ministry leadership, Second, the form of his approach to ministry leadership. Third, the goal of his approach to ministry leadership. And fourth, the methodology of his approach to ministry leadership. So the source, the form, the goal, and the methodology of his approach to ministry leadership. So first of all, we see this phrase, he gave, that starts this passage off. And I think that reveals what the source of Paul's approach to ministry leadership is, which is Jesus' own ministry that Paul looks at Jesus as the perfect example of what it means to do ministry to a lost world, and and he sees that Jesus himself spent his time modeling the kind of ministry that he wanted to follow, that Jesus was the kind of leader who invested closely in people and and sent them out on mission himself, right? That we see this, that Jesus spent the vast majority of his time with, with 12 followers, and even within them, there was a group of three or four that he focused really intensely on, and that, and that his goal was not simply to do all of the work himself, but that his goal was to help them to understand how God could use them, and then to send them out to do ministry. And, and Paul realizes that he himself is an inheritor of that, that Jesus has called him to ministry and equipped him to do ministry, and that his, his task is to do that as well, just like Jesus, that his task is to equip others to do the work of ministry. Which leads us very naturally to the next part, which is, which is the form of Paul's Christian leadership. That he, he says that God gave Christian leaders, and he gives a list of the different kinds of Christian leaders, this, this apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherd teachers, right? And, 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 and these are different kinds of leaders that existed in the church and continue to exist in the church today in various forms. And, and, and he looks at them and says, look, there's all of these different people who are leading with the gifts that God has given them. And this is actually appointed by Christ and something that all of our, uh, us Christian leaders are committed to, not that we should do all of the work, but rather that, that these leaders exist to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, now this phrase, the saints, can be a little deceptive because we think of saints in, in kind of a historical way that a lot of the time we kind of venerate certain people and say, oh, this person is an amazing example of the faith, and so we put them on high. But that's not really what, what the word saints means in its original Greek language in the New Testament. It's just referring to anyone who has a relationship with Jesus and is set apart for, for him, right? And, and so really what, it, what he is being said here is that all of those different leadership functions within the church— the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers, that all of them exist to help the average Christian go out and to do the work of ministry. And so this is, see, this is the form of Christian leadership that Paul advocates, right? Not that, that a small subset of people who have special knowledge or skills are supposed to do all of the work, but rather those people are supposed to share their skills and help others to, to, to emulate the, the abilities that they have and to go out into the world and use them with other people, Right? And then that leads us to the goal, right? Why is it that Paul thinks that this is important? Well, the goal is for the building up of the body of Christ. That he sees that one of the key elements of God's mission in this world to bring it back to him is that he has set aside a people who are supposed to represent his love in the world. And that's what it means to be the body of Christ, is that Jesus came and he demonstrated what life with God is like. He demonstrated God's love perfectly, and that he then calls his followers to be an example of that in the world. 
so that people might see how good God is, so that people might be able to say, I want some of that love. I want to be part of that way of life. I want to emulate what I'm seeing there, right? And, and, and so he says that the body of Christ is being built up in the world to represent him, and that that's really the purpose of all Christian ministry, is that we might be a people that is able to, to stand out in the world and to demonstrate a different kind of life. And then lastly, we see the methodology, the, 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 the kind of the way that this actually plays out on the ground level, the core principle that guides all Christian ministry and, and should be the, the, the baseline of how everything should function. And he uses this phrase of speaking the truth in love. And that this is really at the heart of what he says we, we ought to be aspiring to, is that we are the kind of people who are able to speak the truth in love, and that as we do that, that is what will build up the body of Christ. That is what will mature people in their faith, and that is what will allow us to love people in a Christ-like way so that the world might know how good God is. And so he has this phrase, speaking the truth in love, and I think I've heard that phrase quoted an awful lot in the church. And a lot of the time, the way it's presented is that it's like, well, that means we should be telling people what they need to hear in a loving way. I don't deny that. I don't think that that's wrong. Of course, when we are speaking truth into people's lives, we should do so in a way that is gentle and loving and encouraging, that we should probably avoid coming across as mean or contentious. And we see all over the New Testament that the apostles are discouraging that kind of conduct and encouraging a loving, gracious kind of truth speaking. So not to deny that at all, but I'm not sure that that's actually what uh, this is meant in its entirety, is not simply about speaking in a loving way. It is speaking truth within the context of a life of love, right? That we should be the kind of people who love so radically and so completely that our whole lives should be oriented around taking care of others' needs, even at our own expense, that then when we speak truth, the people around us say, I see that what you are saying makes sense because of the fact that your life is so different, Right? I think that's what he means by speaking the truth in love, is that, is that we are speaking truth, we are telling people about God's love in the context of a life of love that models and demonstrates that the truth that we speak really is true. Right? And, and so that's the methodology. That's what Paul is saying the end product should look like of good Christian ministry, is that leaders invest in the average Christian and the average Christian is oriented around going out into the world and representing Christ, and that as that is happening, the way that they are doing it is to speak the truth in love. All of us need to be doing that, leaders and average congregants alike, and that if we do that, we will actually fulfill the mission that God has set us out to. And, and, and so that's really on our heart. Again, going back to the, the key point of where we believe God is calling us as a congregation is to get better at being that kind of congregation. Where, where it's not all dependent on one leader or one group of leaders, uh, where, where, where we all recognize the importance of the tasks that we're called to, and that those of us who are in leadership positions are doing a good job of equipping people so that they feel like they can go out confidently, knowing I can participate in this task, I can be out there in the world, I know that I can go to those outside of the church and help them come or return to faith, and we believe that it's deeply scriptural, that this is part of how Paul operated in the first century, and that we believe that the church has been called to operate, especially when the world is not keen on coming to church and listening to preachers, etc., etc., etc. So how are we seeking to accomplish this? And, and I want to get practical now. This is, I said that there's kind of two parts. I, I just pressed on you the vision that we feel called to as a leadership team, but then the question is how? 
And the answer is that we've got four guiding principles, four guiding practices that really are central to how we operate as a church. And we believe that if we can do these things, then we should be growing in our ability to accomplish that vision. The first is that we need to cultivate a loving and welcoming community for everyone who comes into our midst. That, that we need to be the kind of community that when people come in, they feel loved, not condemned. That they feel grace, not law. That they, they feel like I can belong in a place like this because of the fact that I know that it's different than what I expect in other parts of this world. Right? And so we need to cultivate a loving and welcoming community for everyone who comes into our midst. Alongside this, we need to equip individual Christians to share their faith relationally. Right? That we need to, we need to people fig- help people figure out the how because it's not intuitive. There's a lot of elements of sharing our faith, of speaking the truth in love, that is not easy. And so we believe that as a church, we need to do a good job of equipping individuals so they feel ready to do that. Alongside this, we want to corporately partner with community outreach ministries. That we want to make sure that we're not trying to hog the work even as a congregation, but that instead we are supporting those who are on the front lines, who spend a lot of their time and energy investing in people who are outside of these four walls, and, and, and to partner with like-minded ministries because of the fact that we, we believe that in partnering we are able to be even more effective than we would otherwise. And last, we want to provide opportunities for people to explore the basics of Christianity. That, that, that when we have everybody going out into the world saying, Jesus loves you and living it out, we expect that there will be some who say, hey, this is different, I want to know more, and at that point in time to be able to say, okay, come, gather with us, and here's the spaces that you can do that. That you you can come out to a Christmas social to experience what the love of a community feels like without being intimidated by sitting in the middle of a church service. Or or you can come out to a care group and you can see what it looks like when a group of Christians are just loving on each other. Or or, or you can have uh, an alpha or or, or a Christianity explored where, where you can explore the basic ideas of Christianity so that you can come to understand a little bit more about what it is that we teach. And so we want to provide those types of opportunities. And and as a church, we are trying to do all four of these things in in various capacities, and and we want these to guide everything that we do as a community. That on Sunday mornings, we want to celebrate God's grace so that people feel like they are welcome here. And we also want to provide practical teaching so that people are equipped to go out into the world. That when it comes to the various ministries that we have going on around the life of the church, we want them to be designed to be as effective at nurturing growth and equipping people at various stages in their faith as possible. And we want to make sure that we are encouraging everybody that you, you, you should have the time and the energy to invest in things beyond Auburn. That we don't want to be the kind of church that demands so much of your time and attention and so much of your resources that you feel like, I just can't do anything but Auburn. <laughs> right? That's not a good thing. We actually, we actually want to leave enough space in, in your life that you feel like I can join in with other ministries that are going on in the city and I can do things in my own neighborhood, in my own workplace to be able to invest in the lives of others beyond these four walls. And, and, and so we, we really want to encourage that mindset as well, that, that if you have to turn down some church commitments so that you can be investing in other people, that's a good thing, that's a healthy thing. And so now I'm going to invite up various ministry leaders to share how they're hoping to contribute to this process this year. But again, I want you to keep these different elements in mind, and I think you'll see that this is something that's being thought through carefully in the various ministries that we have here in the church, how they're contributing to this overarching vision and the roadmap that we are on as a congregation. The first one is our Sunday school ministry. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the two ladies that I asked to kind of come and share, one of them is downstairs currently. Well, maybe that's not unfortunate. That's, that's very fortunate, <laughs> okay? One of them is downstairs right now investing in the children, and the other ended up coming down with a flu. 
Um, and so, so instead I got a letter from them to read here this morning. But, but I want you to make sure to thank Gabby and, and Janet for the work that they are doing investing in the kids. We think the Sunday school ministry is incredibly important at helping cultivate and nurture faith and equip young people to be able to share their faith. Um, and they are, they are working really hard to make sure that's done in the best way possible. And here's, here's what uh, was written to me uh, in an email that, uh, to share this morning. This year we have chosen to try out a new Sunday school curriculum called Dig In. The program offers several year-long curriculum programs, and this year we've chosen to use the program called Digging Into Discipleship. The lessons are designed to use Bible passages to teach kids about what God is like and what that means for uh, who they are and how they live. The program offers a lot of different components that can be added to each Sunday school lesson, including core Bible teaching, videos, crafts, games, memory verses, and even a take-home sheet to help kids and parents stay connected to Sunday school throughout the week. So far, the kids are responding well to the program, and we as teachers are excited about the depth and diversity of teaching that the program offers to help serve and grow our kids. The way that Sunday School is is currently designed in terms of leaders is to operate on a three-month rotation. Each rotation includes a lead teacher as well as three helpers. This allows for a level of consistency with the kids as well as more flexibility for the leaders. This leads into a call for volunteers. And so that would be, if you feel so led, they can always use some more helpers to be able to help make that uh, Sunday school a reality. And, and what it would look like practically is that you'd get picked for a, a, a rotation where every three months you'd be downstairs for a month. And they just wanted us to invite that. Can you, can you, can you consider being part of that ministry and investing in the kids here in this church? So, so uh, again, make sure to thank Gabby and Janet for the work that they've done with our children here in this place, and, and as well as all of the various helpers that exist, and a number of the youth and the young adults in particular have chosen to invest in that ministry as, as the way that they serve. And so thank you to everyone in this room who's helping out with that. Um, now I'm going to invite up uh, a representative of the youth ministry. Now, we do have a youth pastor here who operates part-time as well as working at Youth for Christ, uh, but currently he is running in a tough mutter as a fundraiser. <laughs> So he couldn't be here this morning, so instead he's asked Alicia to come and speak on his behalf. Alicia, here's that. Um, all right, so uh, youth group is starting September 28th. We're going to kick it off with um, using our brand new octoball pit. Okay. Um, Josh Lott will be giving his testimony um, that night. We currently have eight youth leaders um, alongside some other uh, people within the congregation who have uh, chosen to, you know, do more of a one-on-one mentoring with certain youth. Um, There's going to be a a sheet out in the lobby. Please sign up um, if you have a youth so that you can make sure you get the emails. Um, We went through the email list this past summer, and there's a lot of people who (laughs) don't need it anymore. So just to make sure that you get the email as well if you are interested in just knowing what the youth are doing so that you can pray for them or so that if you have um, somebody who is a high school or junior high um, age that they might be interested in coming along um, please feel free to sign up Um, we want our congregation to know what's happening within uh, not just Sunday morning but also on Friday nights um there's also, we need you to pick up a youth consent form that is in the lobby. Um, and if you have any questions, just uh, email Josh. And, yeah. That's good. Thanks, Alicia. Next up, I'd like to invite Zach to share a little bit about the young adult ministry here and what's going on. 
So I'm going to be sharing about the young adult ministry, as you heard. Um, so we actually recently went through a change in how we're formatting the young adults after we changed last year. So we're going to be doing six-week chunks, with the first two weeks being just like a, a time of fellowship, you know, getting to know each other, maybe some snacks, board games, that kind of stuff, just to um, really get to, get to know each other. Because a lot of the people we have at the young adults groups are from Trent, and they don't go to Auburn on Sundays or they'll, they'll go to other churches. So really to help build the bonds of fellowship. And then the next two weeks, we do a very short uh, study, something practical, something to help the young adults grow in the context of university life, as most of them are Trent students, and how to share their faith and effectively be Christians on Trent campus. The next week, we have a question and answer period. This is just young adults coming up with questions and them trying to be answered either by Ben, the leadership team, or other young adults who have answers for them. And then the last one is one thing that I think is probably the most important week, and that's like a practical go out and help something in the community, whether that's you know helping out clean up, clean, do a spring cleaning at the bridge or helping out at the warming room, something like that, something where they can get out into the community and contribute to the ministries that are already going on and be a blessing to them. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about this vision. I'm, I'm personally involved in the Young Adults Ministry that takes place here, and, uh, and we do see a lot of uh, faces that are returning this time of year, and it's, it's an exciting thing to be able to uh, look at this new format and see what we can do to encourage growth in their faith. Um, we have a men's ministry that's done in partnership with a number of other churches, and John is on the steering team for that, so I'm going to invite him to share about the Kawartha men's ministry and what's coming up. Thanks, Ben. Uh, so the Kawartha men's ministry exists to uh, bring men from the broader community together, and uh, we try to have two or three uh, events through the year, and uh, so the next event that's coming up is a breakfast on October 13th. So that's the, the first Saturday after Thanksgiving. So I have to say it that way because that's the way my brain thinks and maybe other guys can relate to that. So the, the first Saturday after Thanksgiving. And uh, it's going to be 8 o'clock is the breakfast. Doors will open at 7.30 and it's $5 for the, for the breakfast. And there'll be a speaker there, um, uh, Christian Harvey. You might have heard of Christian Harvey in our community. He is, he is a leader who has... Uh, been hard at work uh, starting and uh, uh, moving along uh, the, the process of uh, the warming room and the, and the, the one roof community ministries and um, so he's going to give us uh, an update uh, on on those, that that area of uh, work in our community and we're also hoping as Kortha men's uh, ministry that with this group of men coming together uh, you may uh, hear of something that will draw you uh, to uh, service, uh, because ul ultimately that's what we would like to be doing as a Kawartha men's ministry, to be bringing Christian men together, not guys that usually sit together in the, in the, in the church, but maybe some new guys, some new faces. Um, we are connected in this community in a way uh, that we may not be aware of, so that's to draw that awareness out. 
Um, and this is what uh, Ben was speaking about, I think, that there is um, a broader uh, ministry opportunity in our community. Uh, and, and I must, uh, for myself, I must say that it's taken me uh, quite a number of years to actually move from I hear that to uh, I showed up and I heard it on a closer level to now I'm getting involved and now I'm getting actually excited about uh, drawing other people to be involved in that. So it's been a long, slow process for me. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know, um, don't, uh, don't disengage from that, that call. I encourage you to, to show up, hear what, hear what has, to, uh, it has to be said and presented, and uh, maybe uh, that interest will turn into a spark and then some, some movement towards that. So uh, October 13th, and uh, I'll be having some tickets uh, available starting next Sunday. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, John. And alongside the men's ministry, we have a women's ministry that kind of has a couple different elements to it throughout the year that start and, and, and close down at various times. But probably the biggest and the most consistent is what we call Women in the Word, uh, which is a group that meets on Tuesday mornings, and they have some childcare available and, and a number of different teaching elements and stuff. And so I'm going to invite Liz to come and share about that uh, because it is getting rolling in the next couple weeks as well. Thank you. Good morning, Auburn ladies. On Tuesday morning, for many years now, uh, between the hours of 9.15 to 11.15, we have um, an intergenerational ladies Bible study and a small group meeting. So it starts this coming Tuesday, September the 18th, and we'd love to have anybody who's available to come. And our session this fall is 11 sessions long, but the study... Um, is one that if you missed a week, you wouldn't, um, you know, fall behind or um, because each uh, session is its own topic, even though it's on a broader theme. Um, we have child care and we do have uh, two babysitters that have been with us for a number of years and it's wonderful to have that kind of consistency to be able to provide quality child care. Um, our age range is from about... Uh, mid-twenties all the way up to 80s. So we have a great time together. There's lots of snacks in the morning, so if for some reason you have to get out and get going and you miss your breakfast, you can probably just enjoy it with us. Um, we try to get right underway at 9.30, and this year it's a DVD series. Um, Cynthia Held is a well-known author uh, with NAV Press, so you know it's really rooted in scripture. And she has... Um, this DVD series entitled uh, Becoming a Woman of Strength. Um, my favorite um, chapters were um, Strong Enough to Wait, Strong Enough for Spiritual Warfare, and Strong Enough to Be Bold. Um, so there's uh, uh, 11 uh, different sessions, and the goals are to help us to understand our weaknesses and God's desire to strengthen us for his purposes to realize that we often have an inclination to rely on our own strength and our own insight when we're making decisions and handing, handling difficulties. But this study is about giving up our independence and learning to trust on God as the great giver of our strength and lean on his resources. So it's all about, Lord, I can do this. Empowered by your strength, I can do fill in the blank. 
So if you're available on Tuesdays, we'd love to have you. Um, we also um, have a number of the women over the years that have been involved in various outreaches throughout the city, um, particularly the warming room. And we um, do uh, collect different things for different ministries. And um, it's just a wonderful way. Many of us have been meeting for so many years now. We really are sisters in Christ. So if you're looking for that kind of fellowship and belonging, we'd love to have you because we can always use a new sister. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Okay, and is that starting up again? Oh, it has already started. Okay, so this is where I my trying to keep track of all the details. So, so there is a Tuesday evening uh, group that meets uh, for a similar kind of study, and, uh, and uh, it's at Noemi's house, I believe, right? So, uh, so that's definitely something to check out if you're not able to make the Tuesday mornings because of work or because of uh, whatever else is an inhibitor, uh, then that's a great option as well uh, and some great teaching that takes place in that place. So, Great. Um, and, and so last but not least... Uh, we also have a number of different care groups in this church. As elders, we're committed to caring for the congregation. And this is one of the main areas that this can take place. We have small groups of people that gather throughout the week, some on Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And, and the, uh, the idea is that in those places, you'll, you'll have an elder present who is able to hear your prayer requests, that we encourage everybody to pray for each other and to do life-on-life ministry together. And alongside that, many of them have some sort of a study component to go deeper into faith. Uh, and we encourage groups also to be considering ways that they can be serving together in the regions that they're, they're gathered. Um, and so I, just quickly, elders who are here, can you just raise your hand quick? Um, and uh, so there's uh, Brian, Brent, Daryl, uh, myself, all are part of different groups. Uh, they're all, they happen at different uh, periodic times. So sometimes it's a weekly, sometimes it's a monthly, sometimes it's a bi-weekly. Uh, and uh, they all happen in different houses. So uh, your best bet would be uh, to reach out to one of us and ask, and particularly me, I can connect you if there's a certain night of the week or a certain geographic location you're looking to be part of, uh, then I'm happy to, to plug you in in that regard uh, because that is really a key hub of the activities here at the church as well. And uh, I thank you for all of those who did share about the ministries. You heard there's a lot going on here. Uh, and yet with that vision in mind that we want to be the kind of community where the whole congregation works together for those outside the church to come or return to faith. Uh, and I would encourage you, all of those leaders uh, are happy to talk with you. So if anything intrigued you, anything uh, feels like the right kind of ministry to help you grow in your faith right now, reach out, talk to those people. Uh, or again, you can just talk to me and I can always connect you to those people uh, because of the fact that we want you to feel like you can, you can find those tools that you need to grow in your faith. Uh, with that in mind, we're going to close off this portion and I, I, I'm going to close in a word of prayer and I'll invite the worship team to lead us in one last song before we uh, get ready to head up to Hope Valley and kick off this year with a big celebration. So, Father, thank you for your love manifest in your son, Jesus Christ, who came to love us and to sacrifice himself to bring us back into relationship with you. And, and Father, I pray that uh, in all that we do, we would be uh, pressed into that task that you have for us to represent your love in the world uh, and that, Father, you'd help us to live out this vision that you've laid on our hearts here in this place, that, it, that we would be able to really be a whole community that is able to be oriented around that task of those outside the church uh, and that if there's any way we can grow in that, Father, you'd convict us of it and allow us to live it out well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs>